MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. Today, Alex Jones is on the hook for all legal fees stemming from Sandy Hook lawsuits. Mnuchin and Pompeo discussed ousting Trump on January 6th. Michael Flynn pressured contacts within the Department of Defense to overturn the 2020 election. And Pfizer is seeking FDA emergency use authorization for its COVID-19 antiviral pill. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how's it going? I'm good. Now Now that you've gone public with, with things, I just want to check in and say hello and see how you are, my dear. Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to work until... Okay. I do. So everyone, everyone's wondering. So I just wanted them to know you were relatively good, relatively okay. Yeah. And, you know, from my own personal experience and knowledge and understanding of myself, when, when things like what happened happen to me, um, for just to kind of bring everybody up to speed, a companion and myself were assaulted this weekend at a hotel where we were staying. And when things like that happen, Dana, I tend to work harder, like dive into my work to keep my brain absolutely occupied. Absolutely. It's one of the ways that I cope. I know I'll probably have to take some time to actually process the, you know, what happened. And I will. Yeah. I promise everybody I will. But right now I'm just working. All right. And I'm going to work with you. And I got you. And we've got you. And so we're going to rock this. Uh, we're going to rock this episode out. What do you have today? Thank you. We have a lot. We're going to be talking to Rick Smith, who of the Rick Smith Show, a little bit later on in this episode. And his podcast, The Rick Smith Show, is also part of the MSW Media podcast family. So we're absolutely honored to have him be part of our little growing group of podcasters. So we appreciate him. So we'll talk to him. And that's, uh, we got good news, of course. And if anybody has any good news or corrections or anything you want to submit, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. But between now and then, we have news that we need to talk about it. And so let's do that. (laughs) Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. uh, First story here. Steve, who is uh, Steve Mnuchin and Mike Pompeo, apparently discussed a plan to remove Trump from office after the January 6th insurrection. That's according to Jonathan Carl's new book, Betrayal, which chronicles the final days of the former president's time in office. Then-Treasury Secretary Mnuchin reportedly called then-Secretary of State Pompeo on the evening of January 6th to suggest using the 25th Amendment, which outlines the protocols for how to replace the president or vice president in the event of their death, removal from office, resignation, or incapacitation. Quote, I learned that Mnuchin had several conversations about the 25th Amendment and further that Mike Pompeo actually asked for a legal analysis of the 25th Amendment and how it would work. That's according to Jonathan Carl. He said, that during an appearance on MSNBC Monday morning. And interestingly, you know, the reporting that I got from my sources said that when Mike Pence was ushered off of the floor, you know, while he was certifying votes and the mob had breached the Capitol and they couldn't get into their offices because all of their badges had been deactivated, even though they were working earlier that morning and he was taken then down to a loading dock and they were hanging out in the parking garage, that it was during that time in the parking garage that Mike Pence and his staff were also discussing the 25th Amendment and constitutional crisis and how to remove Trump from office. According to Jonathan Carl, the idea was quickly jettisoned for the 25th Amendment the next day as Education Secretary Betsy DeVos and Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao resigned, leaving Mnuchin to realize that using the Constitution to push Trump out of office would take too much time and would almost certainly face legal challenges. Mnuchin, however, did not resign. Quote, it would not be quick enough and it would be subject to legal challenges. That's what Jonathan Carl said, explaining why the plan was abandoned. Quote, but in the hours after the riot, there were high level conversations about it. Carl said that his sourcing is rock solid, although Pompeo issued a statement through a spokesperson denying he was involved in any 25th Amendment conversations. Carl added that although he made multiple attempts to reach out to Pompeo and Mnuchin to confirm the story, neither would agree to speak with him. In fact, it wasn't until a couple hours after Carl's final interview with the former president for the book, during which Carl mentioned the 25th Amendment discussion between Mnuchin and Pompeo, that a spokesperson for Pompeo sent a statement denying 
the former secretary of state engaged in any conversations about it. So of course they did. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because I know you've seen Pompeo and everyone's like, how did he lose so much weight? And I'm like, well, according to the story, he lost about 214 pounds, which is what Trump seems to think he weighs. (laughs) So maybe that's why he looks so thin these days. Mm. And it's a joke, people not commenting on his physical appearance. I'm just saying Trump weighs down on people. That's it. This. All right. This next story is a good one. It's a long one, but it's appropriate. And it's it's long overdue. Infowars host and conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, he was found liable Monday for damages in lawsuits brought by parents of children killed in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting over Jones's claims that the massacre was a hoax. Judge Barbara Bellis took the rare step of defaulting Jones in the defamation lawsuits for his and his company's, quote, failure to produce critical material information that the plaintiffs needed to prove their claims because he doesn't have it. Okay, the default means the judge found in favor of the parents and will hold a hearing on how much he should pay. And I hope it's a fucking lot. Mm. Lawyers for the parents claim Jones and his companies, including Infowars and Free Speech Systems, that they violated court rulings by failing to turn over documents, including internal company documents showing how and if Jones and Infowars profited from talking about the school shooting and other mass shootings. In a statement following Monday's ruling, one of the parents' lawyer, Chris Matei, said his clients, quote, remain focused on uncovering the truth and continued. As the court noted, Alex Jones and his companies have deliberately concealed evidence of the relationship between what they publish and how they make money, Matei said. Mr. Jones was given every opportunity to comply, but when he chose instead to withhold evidence for more than two years, the court was left with no other choice but to rule as it did today. Jones's lawyers have denied violating court rules on document disclosure and have asked that Bellis be removed from the case, alleging he has not been impartial. Interesting. Now, shortly after the judge's decision, Jones went on the air on his show deriding the legal process surrounding the case, which is just a horrible idea. Uh, This is a quote. These individuals, again, are not allowing me to have a jury trial because they know the things they said I supposedly did didn't happen, he said. They know they don't have a case for damages. And so the judge is saying you're guilty of damages. Now a jury decides how guilty you are. It's not guilty until proven guilty. What? (laughs) Exactly. It makes no fucking sense. Just like the rest of the show. It's just a bunch of garbage. The ruling has the same outcome as a jury determined the case in favor of the families. The jury will now determine the damages, which is wonderful because obviously they already agree he's guilty. 21st graders and six educators were killed in the December 2012 shooting. The gunman, he killed his mother at their Newton home before the shooting and killed himself at the school as police arrived. Now the shooting was portrayed on Jones's Infowar show as a hoax involving actors aimed at increasing gun control. Jones has since acknowledged the school shooting did occur. In a deposition released in 2019, Jones said, and I quote, a form of psychosis made him believe it was staged. Wow. This guy's a piece of work. Families of the victims said they have been subjected to harassment and death threats from Jones's followers because of the hoax conspiracy pushed on Infowars. They sued Jones and his companies for defamation and infliction of emotional distress. The hearing on damages before a jury is expected to be held next year. Now, a Texas judge recently issued similar rulings against Jones in three defamation lawsuits brought by Sandy Hook families in that state specifically, finding Jones liable for damages after defaulting him and his companies for not turning over documents. Hearings on damages also were ordered there. Now, one of the lawsuits, a Texas judge in 2019 ordered Jones to pay $100,000 in legal fees and refused to dismiss the suit. And a jury in Wisconsin awarded $450,000 to one of the parents in his lawsuit against conspiracy theorist writers, not including Jones that time, who claimed the massacre never happened. Mm -hmm. Now, in the three Connecticut lawsuits, Jones previously was sanctioned for violating numerous orders to turn over documents and for an angry outburst on his web show against Matei. Again, another stupid thing to do. (laughs) A judge barred Jones from filing a motion to dismiss the case, and a ruling was upheld after being appealed all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which declined to hear Jones's appeal in April, which is the right thing to do because this case, it should be open and shut. I'm so glad that this piece of shit is going to pay for all of the damage and pain he's caused these families after this event. Same, same. I, I, I'm, I'm happy about this. This was good news. This was a good news Monday. Honestly, it was. It was. And uh, this story got bumped for another one, and I wanted to bring it back today. So there it is. Thank you for giving it to us. 
And in the aftermath of the 2020 election, some of Donald Trump's closest allies embarked on an unprecedented effort to get the Department of Defense to chase down outlandish voter fraud conspiracy theories in hopes of helping Trump retain power. This is according to ABC News Chief Washington Correspondent, again, Jonathan Carl, writing in his new book, information that would have been helpful earlier. In Betrayal, the final act of The Trump Show, scheduled to be released today, Carl reports that former Trump National Security Advisor Flynn and former Trump attorney Sidney Powell tried to enlist the Pentagon, a specific official actually at the Pentagon, to help overturn the election. And that is uh, our good friend Ezra Cohen-Watnick. According to the book, Flynn, who just received an unconditional pardon after pleading guilty twice in 2017 to lying to the FBI during the Russia probe, made a frantic phone call to a senior Trump intelligence official. And intelligence is a strong word. <laughs> named Ezra Cohen, sometimes referred to as Ezra Cohen-Watnick, who previously worked under Flynn at both the Defense Intelligence Agency, where he was fired by Obama, and the National Security Council, where he was fired by Trump. Where are you? Flynn asked. <laughs> and he said he was traveling in the Middle East. That's where Ezra was. Flynn told him to cut his trip short, get back to the United States immediately, because there were big things about to happen. According to the book, Carl writes that Flynn told Cohen, we need you, and told the DOD official that there was going to be an epic showdown over the election results. Flynn, according to the book, urged Cohen that he needed to get orders signed, that ballots needed to be seized, and that extraordinary measures needed to be taken to stop Democrats from stealing the election. As Flynn ranted on about the election fight, Cohen felt his old boss sounded manic. He didn't sound like the same guy he had worked for. That's another quote. Sir, the election's over, Cohen told Flynn, according to the book. (laughs) It's time to move on. And Flynn, according to Carl, fired back, you're a quitter. This isn't over. Don't be a quitter. Carl writes that after a few heated minutes, Flynn hung up the phone, and that was the last time the two men talked. So apparently, Cohen Watnick is a big source for this Jonathan Carl book. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. We do have more good news in this segment. At least I do think it's good news. Pfizer announced Tuesday that it's seeking emergency use authorization from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for its experimental antiviral COVID-19 pill Mm -hmm. known as PF07321332 or Paxlovid. And I know some of you are familiar with other Pfizer pills, so hope this one is just as successful. (laughs) Here's a quote. With more than 5 million deaths and countless lives impacted by this devastating disease globally, There's an urgent need for life-saving treatment options. Now, the overwhelming efficacy achieved in our recent clinical study of Plaxlovid and its potential to help save lives and keep people out of the hospital, if authorized, underscores the critical role that oral antiviral therapies could play in the battle against COVID-19. And that's from Albert Bourla. He's the chairman of the CEO of Pfizer. Now, the pill is to be administered in combination with an older antiviral drug called ritonavir and is meant to treat mild to moderate COVID-19 in patients at risk of hospitalization or death. And that's what the company says. Earlier this month, Pfizer announced top-line results from its trial saying that an interim analysis done before the trial was scheduled to end showed an 89% reduction in the risk of hospitalization or death from COVID-19 among people given the drug within the first three days of symptom onset. Now, Pfizer said it is investing up to approximately a billion into the manufacturing and distribution of this treatment and also has rolling submissions for the pill in other countries, including the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and South Korea. Merck and Ridgeback Biotherapeutics are also seeking FDA emergency youth authorization. It's hard to say. It really is. I have a hard time with emergency use authorization. Thank you. Emergency youth authorization. I said youth. youth. Emergency youth authorization. Emergency. This is what I don't drink before the shows, people. Emergency use authorization. An antiviral pill known as Molnupiravir. Mm, great I name. Molnupiravir. An FDA advisory committee is scheduled to meet on November 30th to discuss the application. So not surprising. I've heard this in the pipeline for a while that they're trying to get a pill for this, which would just really change change things globally as well. So I'm, I'm just hoping this this comes through. Yes, this is excellent, excellent news. And basically the way that this pill works is within five days of you having getting COVID symptoms, because, you know, mo- this is mostly going to be for unvaccinated people. Right. So within if, if you get this pill, you get this treatment, this antiviral treatment within five days of the onset of symptoms, you are 
89% less likely to be hospitalized by COVID. That's huge. They had to actually stop the trial early because it was no longer ethical to give people placebos in this study because it's so effectively stopped COVID. You can't just keep testing it, you know, for a really long right. time while people on, on the placebos, it's unethical to keep them to keep getting sick and not giving them the actual drug. And so this is going to be a, a life saving drug for the global pandemic. But here, I think in the United States, in uh, Republican strongholds where we're still in a, in a pandemic of the unvaccinated, maybe maybe we should only have one clinic in that state that dispenses these pills. <laughs> and um, maybe, um, you know, that you'd have to get a note from your wife uh, if you want to if you want to be, be prescribed this. And then maybe you have to have an ultrasound or something, some some sort of really invasive traumatic procedure. <laughs> Just a lot of hoops to jump through. The doctors have to be doctors. You know, you can't have nurse practitioners give this pill out. I think, you know, and yeah, again, one clinic per state. Um, I think, no, I'm kidding. As uh, we all know, as liberals, we want everybody to be saved from this and we want the pandemic to end. But gosh, it's just, I'm a... I mean, if people stop eating horse paste, I'm all for this fucking pill getting on the market. I just... You know, because at the same time, we're ending up paying for this in the long run because we're probably paying these hospital bills for these people that are just... We are. It's a big... It's going to help globally. And so I'm just hoping for the best. Yeah. And and it's going to be very, very interesting to see people who refused to get a vaccine because they don't trust Pfizer and they don't trust the FDA, who will immediately want this pill from Pfizer that was approved by the FDA. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see them square that circle. I personally don't give a shit. I I want everybody's life to be saved. I want everyone to have timely access to quality health care. And I want to end Absolutely. the pandemic. And if, if this is how we get idiots on board, fuck, you know, fine. I'm not, I was not familiar with that saying it will be interesting to watch them square the circle. And I love it. Oh, yeah. I've never heard it before. Hopefully I'm not the only one. I could be living under a rock. Who knows? Yeah, well, write in and tell us where you first heard square the circle. You can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And we'll be reading all of those kinds of submissions along with the good news. But first, we have to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Rick Smith of The Rick Smith Show. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Let's face it, healthy snacks have a bad reputation. And there's a reason. Uh, most don't taste very good and they don't fill you up and they don't give you that, you know, craving satisfaction that you need. And this portion of the podcast is sponsored by Monk Pack. They make snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars contain just one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 140 calories. They're gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, non-GMO. They have no soy or trans fats, sugar alcohols, or high-intensity sweeteners. And you don't have to be keto to love these. I've really been trying to eat better myself, and, and Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars have helped me so much because they're a great healthy snack that's actually filling and satisfying. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars come in delicious flavors like coconut cocoa chip, peanut butter, and uh, blueberry almond vanilla. My favorite right now is the coconut cocoa chip. It's so good. I love the chewy texture, and they're delicious with no high-intensity sweeteners or weird aftertastes. So try it for yourself, and you'll see. We have a special deal for you. You get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and entering code DAILYBEANS at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it has a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money whichever you prefer. So to get started, just go to MonkPack, M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com, select any product, enter code DAILYBEANS, all one word at checkout, and you'll save 20% off your purchase. MonkPack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank them for sponsoring the show. Everybody, welcome back. I'm honored today to be joined by my friend, host of The Rick Smith Show, Rick Smith. How are you, Rick? I am fabulous, Allison. I appreciate you taking time for us and having me on the program. Ah, oh, 100%. Full disclosure, the Rick Smith Show is part of the MSW Media Network, and uh, we are so, so thankful that you are there to, to. I mean, you are the voice of workers and unions in, in, our, in our lineup. And I have to say it's a very, very important gap that you have, have filled with, with what you bring to the, to the network. So thank you very much. No, thank you for bringing us in. We've, we've really enjoyed being part of, of the network and some of the responses we've gotten have just been terrific. So thanks you and, and your audience. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, what I want to talk about today, if no one's listened to the Rick Smith show before, although I'm assuming a lot of folks have already, I want to talk about the show, the premise of the show, and some of the show growth that you are experiencing now and in the new year to come. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, it turns out if you hang around long enough and you have a constant message like we've had for the last 16 years, people go, oh, finally. Yeah, whoa, we've discovered you. Yeah, I've been here all along. But, you know, right now, you know, people are, are taking on to the labor message, the fact that people should earn a, a living wage, should have reasonable health security, some bit of retirement security. And, oh, by the way, a little dignity and respect on the job, maybe some family life balance, work balance, some of that stuff. Now, finally in vogue, now finally in the in the newspaper and stuff we've been talking about for years. So our growth this this coming year after Thanksgiving, we're going to be adding a station in Chicago, WCPT, uh, the, the progressive talk station there in Chicago. We're also in talks with other stations around the country, KPFK in Los Angeles and uh, and other places to bring our working class message to all across the country, because it seems, you know, that right now this is a good time to be talking about workers' rights, you know, coming out of a pandemic where people have gone, you know, is it really, you know, is it on this treadmill of, is it really, do I want to live to work or should I work to live? And I think people are waking up to the reality is we should be, we should be able to live, work and have something of a life on the other side. Yeah, I, I consider this to be a sort of a labor revolution. Honestly, we may have been forced into it, or should I say that a lot of the corporations and businesses were forced into it. And now people seem to have choices. And it's, I think, having a massive impact on what we expect from our employers as far as wages and benefits go. But, you know, but also how we work and things like that. And, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit, too, about, you know, you say you're going to Chicago. That's amazing. One of my favorite cities in the country, by the way, Chicago. And I know we're just we're a podcast network. Right. But but talk about how important terrestrial radio is to us and especially to to the middle class in America. Well, to the average everyday working class person, they've been inundated for 40 years with right wing blather. In fact, the reality is when we started this show 16 years ago, it was with that in mind. All of my truck driver buddies who were you know, driving down the road, listening to, you know, the whole you know, blathering idiot squad of the right and then beginning to regurgitate those things because, well, it's, it's what they had learned via osmosis. It was my goal to add some balance to the airwaves and say, look, there's an alternative to this. I literally had someone tell me that they would make more money doing the job that they were doing if there were no union there. Until you go, explain that to me, walk me through the process of where that is, and then why aren't you there? Yeah, right. And it was, that, it was that second beginning to have a conversation that made him question what he was regurgitating, because it's what he had been told ad nauseum. And finally, he goes, you know, you're, you're probably right. And it was that conversation that made me go, no, we got to fight back in these arenas. Uh, the right wing understands that they, they go where the fight is. I look at a city like Philadelphia, overwhelmingly a Democratic city, has four conservative talk stations, zero, quote unquote, liberal progressive talk stations, because they understand where the fight is and where, the, where, the, where they have to be, where their message needs to be and where it can change things. This is where the left and Democrats and you know, labor, for that matter, they need to be where the fights are at. And the fights right now are in rural America. You need to be changing the hearts and minds of working people in rural America because, sadly, we've abandoned them and left them behind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you go to these old factory towns where the factory left, you know, 20 years ago or 10 years ago, and there's nothing left there but anger and frustration and no hope and vision. This is where Democrats got to start talking to those people and providing them with a vision on how they're going to get out of it. Yeah, I 100 percent agree when I think of where I came from, where I grew up in a, a, a suburb of a suburb, almost rural Ohio, outside of Akron. And, um, you know, my dad was and his brothers worked at their dad's steel mill. And, you know, that town just sort of dried up after a while. And I can't tell you how important radio was to the, to the family. I mean, just how like WZZP, I'll never, I, you know, I still remember it sitting in my dad's basement at his workshop, listening to the radio, listening to talk radio. And that's where we get into the ears. Have we talked yet about the free speech television show? Uh, no. For the last couple of years, we've been doing a weekly free speech show. Uh, they've asked us to do it daily. So we're going to be doing 9, 9 p.m. Monday through Friday on free speech in the new year. Again, another growth opportunity, another way to contact people and reach out, which, again, all of these places are important to be. All of these places are important to put our message. And that's why we're, you know, we're working as hard as we can to make sure that we get it out. Good, good. And I'm glad. And I'm glad you're part of our family, too, at MSW Media. 
I have some questions about the message of the show and some things that you're doing to get that out. But I have to take a quick break. Rick, will you stay with me? Sure, absolutely. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Getting a good night's sleep is so important to our health and well-being, and sleeping is like my favorite thing. I used to toss and turn all night, and I felt exhausted all day. But thankfully, I found Helix Sleep and realized I had the wrong mattress for how I sleep. It was made for someone else. So to get the best night's sleep of your life, do what I did. Take the online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Helix will match your sleep preferences and body type with a mattress that's perfect for you. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have mattresses that regulate body temperature if you sleep hot because we know that you need to lower that body temperature to get that good deep sleep. They have mattresses that are great for spinal alignment, and they help prevent morning pains. And they have a Helix Plus for our beautiful plus-size sleepers, too. My quiz matched me with the Helix Midnight, because I like a medium-firm bed, and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. And now I wake up feeling rested and refreshed and energized for the day. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews, and they were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a solution for improving sleep, and they have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free, and they have financing options and flexible payment plans, so a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. You'll be glad you did. And today's show is also brought to you by Tomboy X. Uh, As you know, I searched high and low for new underwear because my previous ones didn't fit right. I am high-waisted and the band would always roll down and they didn't look right on me. But Tomboy X solved all the problems. They make underwear that gets me. I love my new boy shorts. I got the Metamorphosis print, which is awesome. I love the fit. They look awesome. With boldly, unapologetically, all-inclusive underwear since 2014, Tomboy X caters to clients of every body type, every shape, gender, size, all sizes. From boxer briefs to bikinis, boy shorts to bras, every Tomboy X pair is made to fit you and how you see yourself. And besides underwear, they have loungewear and swimwear and socks, t-shirts, and other accessories. Quality, fit, and inclusivity are the hallmarks of every product, and their attention to detail includes no back seams to ensure a comfortable fit that never rides up, plus silky waistbands that don't roll down. They're perfect no matter what size or shape you are. Tomboy X has underwear that all bodies will love. And with their love at first wear guarantee, you can order risk-free while you find your perfect fit. Discover your inner tomboy and let me get you started with my special discount. Go to tomboyx.com, enter code dailybeans, all one word, to get extra 20% off. That's an extra 20% off when you enter code dailybeans at tomboyx.com. Tomboyx.com. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with the host of the Rick Smith Show. Rick Smith, Rick, before the break, I mentioned a little bit about messaging on your show and some of the things you were doing, including... Adopt a striker. Can you tell us about that and, and what that entails and, and what it means, especially coming into the holiday here? Well, this goes back to 2020, election night of 2020. You know, while everyone's still dry, trying to decide who president the president's going to be, I went and began leading a strike, you know, about you know 30 miles from where I live. 55 striking warehouse workers who were, you know, fighting the righteous fight, decent wages, good benefits, health care, retirement, and, and more importantly, respect and dignity. Overwhelmingly, they voted for Trump. Overwhelmingly, they were, you know, politically on a different side of the aisle than I am. But there was the righteous fight. They were fighting, in my view, the good fight and a place where we could walk shoulder to shoulder and talk about things, not yell at each other across the street, not throw platitudes and and angry statements at each other, but literally walk shoulder to shoulder with each other, fight for a common common interest and maybe find some common ground on the things we disagreed on. And all of those things did happen. And I've been saying in this moment of coming out of striketober into strikes giving, uh, this is an excellent time to adopt a striker. Get out on a picket line, walk shoulder to shoulder with one of those people, even if you don't agree with them politically, but listen to them. Walk back and forth on that picket line, walk a mile in their shoes, and understand what they're going through. And maybe together we can begin having some of these conversations that are difficult to have. But I still believe we have to find some common ground to pull people back together, to fight the righteous good fight. And then we we figure out how we agree or come together on things that we disagree with. Because where we're at right now, with this Kyle Rittenhouse trial going on, I fear every protest now in the future ends with somebody getting gunned down because, hey, I was in fear of my life. I'm, I'm worried that we can't argue, we can't debate, we can't discuss anymore without violence or insanity coming. And this, to me, is a way that we start that. We find a, a picket line. There are tons of them across this country. Find a striker. 
walk with them and hear their stories, take a master's class in working class economics. That's that's my my pitch. How do you find a picket line? And when you arrive, what do you say to the to the person you want to walk shoulder to shoulder with? How do you well, even start that conversation? The AFL-CIO now has a uh, on their website a strike map. So wherever you're at, there's probably a picket line somewhere nearby. If you're a politician, you should be making every opportunity to close your mouth and walk and listen to those strikers to help figure out, especially if you're a Democrat, because a lot of this is your fault. But get on that picket line and listen to them. Now, for me, it's just show up. Hey, I'm with you. Uh, you know, let me. Can I walk with you for the, for a couple minutes? Can you tell me what's going on? These folks want to talk. These people want to have the community support them. Because understand, no strike is ever won with only the workers' support. It has to be part of the community. It has to be the fabric. That shop is part of the fabric of the community. And if you make the pitch that, hey, we're being mistreated, we're being underpaid, they're, they're, they're dividing us through two-tier wage systems, you know, go through this, all of that stuff. You bring the community around, it's going to be a successful strike for those workers and the community, and I would argue the company as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot have uh, a, a workplace that is so torn apart. This is, to me, an opportunity to heal, to rebuild, and to reconnect America in the workplace. Agreed. That's a really great idea, and I I, I like that. And it's the AFL-CIO's website that has the strike map? Yep, AFLCIO.org. I think it's dash strike map. Great. Well, I'm sure we could find it if we get to the website. The next thing I wanted to talk to you about, and, and the final thing before I let you go here is with this labor movement, strikes giving, I love that, and your expansion with the Rick Smith show that's happening. I want to talk about the potential and and some of the provisions in the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill that just passed that's going to be signed by President Biden, and the Build Back Better plan that still needs to go through the Senate. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be marked up and cut down a little bit more before it's passed and heads to his desk. Can you talk a little bit about the kind of jobs that are created with these bills, how that might present opportunities for union growth, and also what sort of uh, provisions are in these bills that help workers? Well, in the one that's going to be signed soon, the, the hard infrastructure bill, as much as the Republicans and Tom Coburn wanted to take prevailing wage out of it, prevailing wage is still in this in this legislation. Can you explain what uh, prevailing wage is? Yeah. Which means, you know, in a in a area, the wage for whatever job that you're doing will be paid at the prevailing rate. Mm -hmm. If if you know, you've got 10 people who do this particular job and six people make twenty dollars an hour, that prevailing wage will be twenty dollars an hour. It's not the average. It's not the you know the, the minimum. It's it's not the high. It's not the low. It's it's the prevailing. It's the one paid most often, which generally is the union rate because they're proud of the wages that they earn and they report those wages. So generally, it's going to be a good wage. And this is what you want. So for my math nerds, my math nerds out there, that's the mode. There you go. <laughs> of mean, median mode. See, you, you, for the math nerds, which I am not one, unfortunately, <laughs> wish I were. Now, what we know is we know in those places where the prevailing wage is paid, you're going to get a better quality of worker. Uh, you're not going to have transient fly-by-night contractors getting jobs, doing you know half-assed jobs, and then heading off to who knows where when it's done. You're going to get quality work. And I think the perfect place to show the differences, if you look at the two bridges, one out in Oakland there, the, the, the Bay Bridge there, and the Tappan Zee in New York, the Tappan Zee was done with prevailing wage and a project labor agreement. The one out in California was not. The one in New York was done on time, under budget, and is fabulous and is complete. The one in California is never going to be complete because they use fly-by-night contractors and Chinese welders, and it's never going to be done. So people matter, skill matters, quality matters, and so does the wage. So that's in the, the bipartisan plan. That is a good thing for, for, for labor. Uh, you're going to get good high-wage jobs. We're talking about 20 million potential jobs being created out of this. Those are good family-sustaining wage jobs with with healthcare, with retirement security, with a voice on the job, really great stuff. Now, on the Build Back Better plan, hopefully this passes, at this moment, there are still some things from the PRO Act in there. And the only thing that you can do in a budget reconciliation bill is something financial. So they've added some fines to, to, the, to, to organizing. If a company violates labor law, commits an unfair labor practice, they can be fined up to $50,000 per incident in this new 
this new language in the Build Back Better plan. If they illegally fire someone, which happens in about 30% of union organizing campaigns, think Amazon, think a number of other places, that can be up to $100,000 per incident. You go, well, $50,000 for, for this and hundred grand for that. Is that a big deal? To Amazon, no. But to any other employer, it's going to be an awful lot more than what it is now, which the, the penalty is if you illegally fire someone. If I illegally fire you, Allison, and you go get another job making the exact same money, you win your job back. I owe you nothing. If you end up going to jail and you don't get any money, then I got to pay you your whole salary. But that rarely happens. And then there's the dreaded, once I'm found guilty, I might have to post a notice saying I'm sorry, and I won't do it again until I get caught again. Oh, post a notice. These fines actually put a little bit of teeth in the dog so that if you do break the law, if you do something illegal, that you will have to pay something. 50 grand and 100 grand, a lot of money. Yeah, not really when you're talking about these big companies and and the payoff from denying workers their ability to fight for better wages, hours and conditions. But it's something. And for me, it's a step in the right direction. We still need major comprehensive labor law reform. We still need the PRO Act. We still need to undo all of the horrible effects of Taft-Hartley and giving me my right to organize and my right to strike back. But this is a start. Yeah. It is a start for sure. And yeah, boy, slaps on the wrist, post a notice. It reminds me of the Hatch Act, Rick. <laughs> I'll do it again. <laughs> you be careful now, especially if I like you. Uh, but if, you know, if I don't like you, you're fired. Anyway, thank you so much for taking the time today. Everybody, you can find the Rick Smith. Tell, tell them everywhere you can find the Rick Smith Show. Uh, first, go to the ricksmithshow.com. Everything is right there on our website. Videos, audio, our podcasts. Podcasts are everywhere, especially on your media platform. One of my favorites, by the way. Thank you. Also, the video, our YouTube channel, by all means, go there. Follow us on Twitter at Rick Smith Show. Do the Facebook thing. We're there. YouTube, everything. Wherever you can find things, that's where we will be. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate your time today. And I'll see you on your show pretty soon, I think. Yep. Cannot wait for it. Thank you, Allison. Have a good one. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this Helping of the Beans is brought to you by Cometeer, the most delicious coffee brewed better through science. Cometeer is frozen, pre-brewed coffee in pocket-sized recyclable capsules that you melt to make. No equipment needed. With Cometeer, you're always just a minute away from barista-quality coffee and lattes. I used to drink coffee with a bunch of cream and sugar all the time, but Cometeer is so balanced and smooth, I drink it black. Cometeer is so simple to make. They've discovered a new way to make coffee. After the brewing process, the coffee is flash frozen to lock in all of its aromas and freshness and flavors, and then you melt it to make it. You just add the frozen coffee to a cup of hot water, melt it, and pour it. And for iced coffee, just pour the melted coffee into water with ice. It's iced coffee in 10 seconds flat, and lattes are just as easy. Cometeer arrives each month to my house, and they feature the best regional specialty roasters with enough capsules for 32 cups of coffee. It's the kind of delicious variety I've always wanted, and we have a special offer just for you. For a limited time, you can get $20 off your first order, 10 free cups, and shipping is always free, but only when you visit cometeer.com slash beans20. That's cometeer, C-O-M-E-T-E-E-R dot com slash beans20. I was skeptical at first. I mean, it's brewed coffee you melt to make, but it's truly one of the best, if not the best tasting cups of coffee I have ever had. If you like coffee at all, this is a taste to believe product. You're going to love it. That's cometeer.com slash beans20 to save $20 off your first order. A new day has arrived on Earth for coffee. That's cometeer.com slash beans20. And today's show is also brought to you by Upstart. Uh, if you're carrying a credit balance month after month with high interest, you make those minimum payments and it seems like it doesn't go anywhere. You're just in this never-ending cycle of debt with no end in sight. An Upstart can help you make the final payment, though, and that way you can get ahead. And it's easy to pay off your debt with an online personal loan using Upstart. Over a million people have used Upstart to consolidate high interest debt, pay off credit cards, and fund personal expenses with one fixed monthly payment. Because Upstart looks beyond your credit score. You're more than just a number. They find you a better loan rate by considering other factors like your income and your employment history and your credit history. And you can check your rate without impacting your credit score for free in minutes online for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today and check your interest rate when you go to upstart.com slash daily means. That's upstart.com slash daily beans. Please use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash daily beans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. 
And I could really use your good news this week. So if you have anything, especially Halloween pictures, tell us your Thanksgiving plans. Tell us your turkey day plans. Tell us your holiday plans, whatever you're doing, something fun. You can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Tell me something good. And um, <laughs> tell me something good. Uh, okay. <laughs> tell me that you love. Okay. <laughs> Let's start with Steve. This isn't Mnuchin. I doubt it's Mnuchin, but it just says Steve. I'm a longtime listener. Thank you for all the work you put into the podcast. Your focus and dedication are astounding. You interviewed Ruth Ben Giat, author of Strong Men, on the 11-4 episode of The Daily Beans. First, thank you. It was a great conversation. And second, the ebook of Ruth's book is on sale today and Wednesday. So it's today's the last day of the sale, 1117, for just $2.99 everywhere ebooks are sold. And there's a link in the description. So just today only, you can get the audiobook version nice. of Ruth Ruth Ben Giat's Strong Men from Mussolini to the Present for just $2.99. Thanks, Steve. $2.99. All right, moving on to Keith, pronouncing he and him. Good news. I work in tech, and after my employer of nine years kept stringing me along for the last four years about a raise, even before COVID was their excuse, I finally cut the cord and found a new home. They made us take pay cuts in 2020 to avoid layoffs and then laid people off anyway, and I decided to get out. Good. After starting my new job, I became a patron because I've listened to you since the early MSW days, and I feel like I'm in a good place now, and I can pay content creators who I enjoy and respect. Correction. This comes with a correction. Oh, okay. So that was the buttering up part. That's right. That was the beginning. Yeah. I'm 48, and I love all of your pop culture references. There's There's still more love here. But you and Mary misquoted swingers recently, and I feel that I can't, I can't go unnoticed. <laughs> when ordering the pancakes, Mike said, quote, and the age of enlightenment, not renaissance. However, he did mention a tray that he should have said renaissance. And yes, it was hilarious when the server came back and said, hang on, Voltaire. <laughs> That's her right. lyrics. Pancakes one. in the age of enlightenment. Right. <laughs> Awesome. Mr. Lyrics. Yes. In 1990, a group called D-Light. Ah. A big hit with Groove is in the heart. Ah. Okay. A rather, mm. Groove is in the heart. A rather funky, catchy song you could dance to. However, my father thought she was saying, Grover says hi. <laughs> to this day, my siblings and I will randomly text each other. <laughs> Grover <laughs> says hi. <laughs> Just to make each other laugh. I love it. Now my pet tax, Pixavelli, short for Eleanor Rigby, our nine-year-old Beagle Jack Russell mix this Wednesday, 1117, is her gotcha day, the day we picked her up from the Westchester SPCA after she was rescued by a group called the Homeward Bound Project Mississippi and transported in a litter of nine other puppies to New York. She's the sweetest dog ever. She loves laying in the sun and cheese. Me too. Love everyone who has been a co-host in the past. <laughs> Me too. And it's currently a co-host. You all rock. And look at the baby ready for cheese. That's working on my night cheese. Oh, look at the second picture. Oh, hey. <laughs> That's definitely That's the dog profile picture. Right I don't there. always eat cheese, but when I do... It's cheese. <laughs> it's cheese. It's Colby. The most interesting dog in the world picture. Indeed. Awesome. Thanks for uh, the, the, the delight reminder. Absolutely wonderful. And if you're a, you know, Westchester SPCA, New York, that is Mimi Roca's district, the district attorney. Um, so tell, if you see Mimi out on the street, tell her we say hi and to, and to indict Donald Trump. All right. Next up, because she is investigating him. Next up, anonymous pronoun she and her. A twist on shit my kids say for y'all today. I have shit my grandmother, my godmother. Yes. My godmother says for you instead. When my godmother moved to the U.S. from Germany in the early 70s, she spoke high school English, which was very good, but lacked nuance and idioms or Lord. Oh, Lord, the idioms. They must be a nightmare for people learning English. Anyway, she was getting the hang of some of them, but not so much of others. For instance, someone cut in front of her at line at the grocery store as she retold the story. She said, I was on top of myself instead of (laughs) beside myself. My mom said, beside yourself. You were beside yourself. (laughs) And now we've all used I was on top of myself ever since. You all have seen enough pictures of Hammy McBacon fat for pet tax. So instead, I will submit Shelby from the Charlotte, North Carolina SPCA. She's a senior Chihuahua mix. Here's a link. She looks like a lovely lady named Shelby. <gasps> she does. Look at the baby. Oh, my goodness. Someone go adopt that sweetness, please. Oh, please, please. 
Alrighty. This is from Trevor, pronouncing and him. Thank you, AG, for this podcast. I've been listening since the early days and really appreciate your humor and swearing and your exemplary guests. For shit kids say, my son's favorite movie when he was about four years old was Shrek, except when he said it came out as sex. Uh, we always had to remember to tell babysitters what to expect when they asked him what he wanted to watch and what it actually meant, lest they get the wrong idea. For pet tax, here are our dog Smudge, who's the golden doodle, Lucy, who's the boxador, Smudge is the elder statesman, and Lucy is basically the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> Smudge is definitely the statesman. Look yes, at that. Yes, very calm, very together. Yes. And then Lucy's like, what, 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 what's next? What's next? Oh my God. So cute. Thank Very. you. Thank you, Trevor. And sorry for making fun of your name when we talk about Trevor McFadden. It's not personal. I love the name Trevor. Next up pronouns, he and him from Leo. Hey, AG and all. I enjoyed your red, blue paint joke the other day. <laughs> so here's another that is shamelessly stolen from a BBC show. The Vicar of Dibley. What is brown and sticky? a stick. Hope you all have a great day. Thanks for all you do. P.S. Attached is a find the mutt pick of our dog jumping from rock to rock while on vacation in North Carolina. Oh, there he is. Wow. 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 That's a I leaping a dog. Second, then he popped right out. Yeah. Whoa. Awesome. Thank you for that picture. Awesome Wait, was pick. that you where we, told, where we told that joke or was I, was I on the line with Mary? You must have been on the line with Mary. I can't remember who I was talking to, but the joke was what is red and smells like blue paint and oh that was definitely not me it's red paint and so that makes that stands to reason <laughs> what is brown and sticky a stick would be a, a stick a fair yep. similar joke so thank you for that leo appreciate it love it all right this is from m pronouns they them following up on my recent submission about being from a blue county in a red state where we just elected dems across the board oh not utah as you two had guessed, though I did grow up there and I am still recovering from the effects of its cult. Mm. My goodness, am I'm sure. But it's Montana. Oh. Big Sky Country has some amazing liberal pockets. Sadly, the propaganda machine is working hard here. And we went from purple to red in 2020. It's disheartening. Nevertheless, I'm proud of my fellow Missoulians, uh, obviously Missoula, Montana, Missoulians, for keeping our county blue. And thank you for being my primary political outlet during these crazy times. I often feel like I have real friends when I listen. You are the best. AG, random factoid. Missoula, mm. why can't I say it all of a sudden? I just said it five times. Missoula, Montana. Missoula, Montana has a extraordinary high number of lesbians per capita. And I don't know why. Mm. It's like the lesbian capital of Montana and like that area of the, of the, of the country. It's very weird. Mm. All right. And I get that, you know, it's outdoorsy and stuff, but hopefully M can back me up on that. But Missoula, Montana has a, a very high number of lesbians per capita. Well, awesome. Uh, I know. Uh, the more you know, Q shooting star. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed. Wouldn't have guessed uh, in big sky country. But um, thank you. And happy to be your primary political outlet during these crazy times. I appreciate the kind words, M. And I believe this is the last submission here we have from Anonymous, pronouns he and him, about a year ago. Oh my God. Sorry, I, know, I scrolled. I know, I know. About a year ago, my wife and I were told by our fertility doctor that further treatments were unlikely to produce different results and we were not recommended. After trying for seven years to conceive, we were crushed. I was heartbroken, both for myself and for my wife, who's always had a knack for connecting with babies and young kids. There were nights after my wife went to bed when I would just sit and weep. And then four months later, it happened all on its own. Today, my wife and I are celebrating the birth of our healthy baby boy, who was just declared the cutest baby in the world by his 12-year-old cousin. By the way, I'm totally crying. I know, <laughs> I know that not everyone's infertility story ends so happily, and I have deep sympathies for people who are living with that. But for now, we are so incredibly happy, and my wife is over the moon for this little guy. Photo attached. Look, look almost, at him. He's perfect. I almost thought it said potato attached. And... That's oh my goodness, I gotta take off my glasses. Just as adorable. Look at this baby. Oh, he's perfect. He's perfect. And his little burrito blankie. Oh, thank you so much, Anonymous, for this. Mm -hmm. I am so happy for the both of you. And obviously, this is this is the little soul that was supposed to come into your life. And I'm so happy he's here. He really is beautiful. Yeah. Oh, oh just made me ovulate. 
Look at I'm still at that point where I want kids and I'm like, it comes in from time to time. And like physically, my mom went through the change pretty early. And so I'm sort of there. And man, oh man, though, the dad de- de- get my ovaries going just now. Join us live on the Daily Beans where you can <laughs> you can witness Dana ovulate. Dana's ovulation. Just send in pictures of babies. That's all. It's, I literally... There's a, there was a period in my life where I was like, fuck comedy. I'm going to go be a baby cuddler at the hospital because I know they need them. Mm. And I guess I could do both. But there really is time that I still think about going and uh, signing up because... Yeah, you could work out your material. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, best audience ever. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is just crying. So then when you, when you go <laughs> do actual comedy, they it's better. It's better even oh, if they don't God. make any sounds at all. Oh, fuck. That's funny, A.G. <laughs> I just pictured it, me standing there and all these babies (laughs) telling jokes. Oh, (laughs) Oh. all right. That was good times for us. What a fun episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for sending us in. (sighs) Congratulations on this beautiful, beautiful baby. And um, everyone, thanks for your submissions. I need these this week. Like I said, send them in at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And again, you can get Ruth Ben Giat's book uh, for two dollars and ninety nine cents today only. Everywhere ebooks are sold. Link in the description. Uh, any final thoughts from yesterday that we didn't get to? <laughs> no. In fact, maybe I'll have some for tomorrow. But right now, my thoughts are final. All right. We'll see. Stay tuned for tomorrow, and we'll find out if Dana has any final thoughts. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been Ag. And I've been DG. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. <laughs>